Trials and tribulations, life can get rough. And through the storm, we'll make it. Just put your trust in Him. No matter what you're going through, I know that I'll never leave you. You feel that you can't take no more. You may think you've seen it all. everyone and thank you for checking out this latest episode of the get happy with jay podcast i'm your host jatan woods this is a special show for me as it will be the first time talking to another member of a club no one wants to belong to it's the club of mothers who've lost a child now don't tune out thinking it's going to be depressing or gloomy just the opposite the incredible mother you are about to meet has tackled her grief and is living a wonderful life full of impressive accomplishments. My guest today is Ronnie Lambrecht. She's an author, editor, speaker, independent realtor, and mother to her angel Dalton. Welcome, Ronnie. I've shared a bit about you. Can you tell us some more? Hi, Jay. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I think you touched on. I think you touched on a lot of the important stuff. I'm. Uh, my husband and I have been married now for um, almost 24 years, and. Um, He's obviously the biggest part of my life now. Um, yes. That Dalton's gone. And um, yeah, so that and work and, you know, just getting through each day, I guess. <laughs> yes. Tell us, um, now that we know some more about you, take this time to tell us about Dalton. Because in my experience, having lost a child, you kind of get to a point where you don't have as many opportunities to even talk about your child for many reasons. Some people, um, they think it's going to upset you to talk about them and then some people think because you're doing so well and you've moved on that you know they don't want to bring it up so for many reasons so if you're like me I talk about my little one every chance I get so tell us about Dalton (laughs) (laughs) Um, he was awesome he was with us um, almost 16 years we got 15 years eight months and three days um, with him and he was really just just an awesome kid. I know as, as most parents would say, their kids are wonderful and, um, and I'm, I'm very proud of, of the young man that we raised and, and what a good person he was inside and out. And, um, you know, he just, he was fantastic. He was a sophomore, um, at Rock Canyon High School in Highlands Ranch here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he was just, he was, Let's see. What's the best way to say it? He was like the counselor, I should say, for his friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and and at his um, life celebration, we had no clue. Um, you know, we knew he was a good friend, but we had no clue how many people he had helped in his life. Mm-hmm. And um, several kids uh, actually had stood up at his um, life celebration and they spoke and told stories that had Dalton not been there to, quote, save them um, mm-hmm. from committing suicide, that they would not be wow. here. And um, so there's just, uh, we've learned, and so many stories since then, where his friends have Facebooked me or they've emailed or they've called or texted, um, just things that Dalton had done for them that we had no idea. And he certainly didn't, you know, come tooting his own horn mm-hmm. um, when he came home. So what an a amazing, incredible kid. And yeah. Um, yeah. I know anyway. one thing I say about my baby, and it sounds like the same is absolutely true for you. 
I think they just earned their wings sooner than us. Yes. <laughs> you know, for many reasons. They just, you know, were even better than us and they just earned their spot that much sooner. That's right. That's right. So what was... um your grief process like because his death was so unexpected uh kind of a freak accident so kind of talk us through going through that grief process of the shock and the letting go did you seek therapy how did you get through that difficult initial time um well i i would tell you that the first thing i would I would say is that grief doesn't go away. It's something that's going to be here forever. And, and I realize that now. Yes. Um, it's, you know, definitely not a problem to be solved or anything. It's just something that you learn to walk beside every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you learn how to manage the waves when they hit a little bit better as time goes on. Yeah. <laughs> I call it kind of like my new normal. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. A new normal. Yes. Yeah. So um, let's see. I think, you know, first of all, we just weird, weird circumstances. Um, when we were we were in the Glamour Sand Dunes when Dalton had his accident, um, and when the coroner came and took his body from from the dunes, they told us that Dalton was in one place, um, and he actually ended up being in a totally different place. And then they wouldn't let us see him for four days, um, and so there was a whole, whole, just crazy time of just trying to get through that and trying to convince these people to let me see my child because I honestly I it took me those four days to even realize that it was true because I didn't see the accident happen uh-huh. and so that was really a big struggle for me my husband was actually there and held Dalton as he took his last breath mm. um, but I was not and so for me I just couldn't fathom going four whole days without seeing him. And then Mm -hmm. when I finally did, all they could say to me, and they were really rude, but all they could say to me was, don't touch his face, don't move his body. Um, He's very fragile in the state that he's in um, because he was pretty broken. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I just, and and here he is, he's just, you know, there and, um, and I and I wasn't allowed to touch him a whole lot, or you know, and it's just a weird, just a weird thing to have to go through. It's very surreal. Yeah. It's like you're looking at yourself from above, like watching things happen to yourself. It's really and I could it's a crazy situation. And I can imagine how difficult it was seeing him four days later, because because of course nature takes its course yes. and and things. Uh, begin to to happen so he's probably yeah. not looking like himself I'll leave it at that and so yeah. that had to be difficult because if you'd been able to see him immediately he would have at least looked more like your Dalton exactly yeah exactly yeah, yeah so there was a yeah. whole lot of that and then trying to kind of work through just the days uh, you know of getting getting to see him and then mm-hmm. knowing that John had already been with him and we're both going through two completely different grief. Yes. Um, you know, John, John feels guilty that Dalton was on the bike where he was. And, you know, John's going through a whole bunch more grief or um, guilt mm-hmm. with his grief. And I'm going through, I don't even really believe that he's gone. Yeah. Kind of grief. So anyway, and then when we finally did get to see him that, that Thursday after the accident, um, then just kind of, just starting the process of how do we get his body home to Colorado and, mm-hmm. you know, all these kind of things. And so I think in the beginning stages that you're, 
and I shouldn't say stages. I don't believe in the stages, but I, I think that you're, you're so numb with yes. everything that's going on because there are so many logistics yeah, exactly. that you have to go through. Does that make sense? Yeah, I completely understand that because you just kind of go into this mode. And it's weird because I tell people that you're still parenting that child even when they're gone. So initially oh, when something like this happens, like for us, you know, we didn't expect it. We went in for what was supposed to be our last sonogram and everything was supposed to be great. And you go from that to, okay, you've got to give birth. And then immediately after you're planning a funeral and it's like, right. what I'm having to do, like you said, all these logistic things, getting through it myself physically and then having to uh, put my child away in the best way possible, honoring him as best that we can. So you kind of your body just kind of goes into like this autopilot thing. It's really yeah. it's really bizarre because as you're still so like in shock but yet you're still going through the processes that you have to go through. It's weird, but it, it's almost a good thing because we were so busy. I don't know about you, but like planning and logistics that it kind of helped in a sense to get oh, through absolutely. those initial days because it felt good to have something to do. Yes. You have yeah. a purpose. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I know, and for us, um, my, this is kind of a side note here, but my husband's brother had lived with us for the 18 months previous, and he had just moved away um, to Texas to spend time with his mom. Mm -hmm. And when he, and him, while he lived with us, him and Dalton were extremely close. And so when he found out about Dalton on Sunday night, he actually went out and with some horrible people and, um, and decided to shoot up on heroin. Mm -hmm. And we lost him the next day. Yeah. So it, it just, um, so here we are dealing with, now we've got to plan two funerals and mm -hmm. two, you know, all of this. Um, and one's in Texas, one's in California, and home is in Colorado. Just so many logistics there. So, mm -hmm. so I would say that, again, like you said, it's good that, that, that there are so many logistics that you have to go through and things that you have to plan and you have to be extremely busy. Um, and for us, I would tell you that, that our savior, um, at this point has been being busy and we're, we're four years, 11 months and one week into this. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I would tell you that being busy is still, is still our goal. Um, because, because whatever you can do to remain busy, yes. be with clients, work, mm -hmm. be together traveling, doing whatever you can possibly do, helping others, volunteering, yes. all those things, that's what gives you purpose to make it through the very next moment, the very mm -hmm. next day. And Absolutely, I don't know about because you, but I still go through moments where I think, God, it would be so great if I could just get to him now. And I think about suicide and I think about the options that are out there. And, um, and, and I know that's not an option, but there are some times that you hit so low and you just want to be with them so mm -hmm. badly mm -hmm. that, that they become options in your head. Yeah. Um, I know. So, for, yeah. For me, initially, important. I never really, I never contemplated suicide. I mean, it, it was definitely a thought that passed my mind because I had all this kind of almost like a survivor's guilt, like, Okay, 
how am I alive and my child isn't. If if one of us had to go, it should have been me. I mean, I I right. battled that. Like, how did I survive? I had all this this time, and my son was just robbed of a life, and blah blah blah. But I I one night clearly I um thought not about committing suicide in a traditional sense, but I thought, well, if I just stop taking my medication, because <laughs> I right. have like a couple of conditions that require me to take to take daily medicine, and I thought, okay. Because of my faith, I don't believe in suicide in that way, you know, and I thought, well, if I stop taking my medicine long enough, then I'll probably have a heart attack or something and I'll go and but then I quickly talked myself out of that because like, obviously, I have the worst luck ever. So instead of me dying, I'd probably just have a stroke and just be immobile for the rest of my life. So I kind of quickly talked myself (laughs) out of that because knowing me, that would probably be the scenario, but I totally (laughs) understand feeling that way. And I'm so glad that, um, that you didn't because I, um, had a relative that committed suicide. And I tell you the devastation that is left behind Wow. It just, yeah, it, it just leaves a a devastation that's awful to the ones that are left behind. So I'm so glad that you're still here. Me too. Me too. Yes. Yeah. And I know, I know I could never go through with it. Yeah. Um, You know, I need to be here for my husband. Yeah. He needs me. I need him. Yeah. And I thought about that too, because I was like, how could I like leave my husband without his son and me too. So yeah. Right. Yeah. I I definitely thought about that too. And it was interesting. Um, you talking about how it was almost like you and your husband are going through two different kinds of grief, even though our situation was a little bit different. I learned, um, through therapy and I, I thank God that I went to therapy because if I didn't, I wouldn't have the tools to deal with, with grief and one thing that I had to learn because there were moments that I would get a little irritated and upset with my husband because in my mind, I felt like he wasn't grieving in the way I was and that he should be grieving just like me. Or like for me, I constantly wanted to just talk about my son, talk, 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 talk. And for my husband, it was painful for him to right. talk. It's And it didn't mean that he didn't feel deeply about it and wasn't just as grief stricken. I had to learn that his grief was just different than mine and that's okay. And that every person handles grief differently and that, you know, just, just because he wasn't so outward with his grief didn't mean that his son meant less to him than me. So I, I really had to work through that with my therapist to recognize and honor his grief process. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, and it does seem like too that oftentimes that we're in totally different places in our grief where Sean will be, you know, on the upside, I'll be on the downside mm-hmm. um, or I'll be on the upside and he'll be on the downside. It's those moments when you hit the center, when, when you're at the same point that you have to be really careful and know who your, who your contacts are that you can call and ask for help. And so mm-hmm. when John and I are both at the same point, that's when I call my parents and say, okay, we need you today. Yes. And, you know, or, or we need you tonight and they'll come out or we'll meet them for dinner or we'll, you know, go out to their, to their house or whatever, but where we know that we need help. And so mm-hmm. we ask for that help directly. And that's awesome that you recognize that, that you guys just don't like suffer in silence, so to speak, that, you know, to reach out. 
And speaking of other support people in our lives, what's the some of the best tips or advice that you would give to other people who are trying to support someone in a, a grief situation? What what did you find that was most helpful to you that other people did? Or the flip side, things that weren't helpful that people should avoid? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I have a whole chapter in my book on, you know, things people say and that kind of a thing. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have a similar thing. Yes, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to have a similar <laughs> chapter in my book because I could probably write a whole book on the crazy things people say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're young. You can just have another one. Like, oh, well, you know, we just dropped that gallon of milk. We should just go to the store and pick up a new one. You're yep. like, what? Yep. That was a big <laughs> one for us. Like, her, you know, I literally had someone, it was an older gentleman that knew my husband, and it was so weird and awkward. But he said to him something to the effect of, yeah, just get in the saddle and start riding that horse right away and yeah. see what happens. Like, <laughs> Really? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, people just, you know, and people yeah. don't know what to say. They and, mean well. Um, you have to remember yeah, they that they totally mean, mean well. well. Mm-hmm. And one thing, one thing John and I did right in the beginning, um, actually the same year that we had lost Dalton, I had three other friends lose children. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, it's just really weird. That yeah, that's an odd coincidence. Place. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I had been through a lot with those friends and talking to them and hearing, you know, kind of the things that they had gone through and that kind of a thing. And and one of the biggest things that John and I decided early, like, I think the night of or the next day, like, literally, because you have so many hours that you're just sitting there thinking. Yeah. And, and one of the things that we just head on said, you know what, people are going to say incredibly stupid things. Mm-hmm. And but we have to take that with grace and realize that they're trying. Yes. And we have to give them credit for that. And and the other thing that we need to do is people will tell you all sorts of things. You know, God had this planned or this story was written before they got here or they only had a limited time on earth. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll tell you all kinds of things. What John and I decided was that, you know what, we're gonna listen to every single thing people say. Every Everything that they tell us that they believe, because every religion's different, everybody has different spirituality. Yes. And we decided we're going to listen to what everybody says, and then we're going to take little pieces of their puzzle, of the things that we like, and we're going to build our own picture. And so we took little things that every person said and decided, yeah, that works for us, or no, that doesn't work for us, mm-hmm. and we built our own little story that helps us. Yes. So... You know, what, what we've come to for, for, of, of gathering what other people have said, our biggest thing that we came to is that Dalton's story must have been written before he got here because there is no logical reason mm-hmm. that, that he would be taken from us because he was such a good kid. Why not go take one of those shooters that goes and shoot up, uh, shoots up a bar or a theater or a school? Um, why would they take Dalton instead? You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's so many bad people out there and so many bad parents that don't appreciate their kids or, or kids who don't appreciate their families. And yeah. why would you take our Dalton before you would take somebody like that who's miserable or someone who has, you know, a disease that they are wishing to be, you know, rid of because they hurt so badly all the time or, you know, 
So for us, we we just took from various different people, we pieced together our own little things, and we came up with that we think that Dalton had was given a specific time that he had to do his duties, mm-hmm. and that he had to leave that day at that time because that was the way it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's what works for us. Now for other people, that does not work. Yes, that's a bad thing to say to them. That's not what their religion, you know, their faith, their spirituality tells them or whatever. And so, again, what I would really say to people is listen to everything you can, read whatever you can, and make your own story. Make it work for you and do whatever you have to do to make it work in your reality. I couldn't have said that better. That makes perfect sense. Talk (laughs) talk about and it takes time to get there because I know I went through I went through this phase because I um, am a social worker. And so I went through this phase when I went back to work that it was such a battle for me to not be like uber judgmental about other parents and and having these like running narratives in my mind like. How on earth is this person allowed to give birth multiple times? Horrible parent, not take care of their kids. Their kids end up in the system, blah, blah, blah. So I really had to work on not allowing myself to constantly go there in that mode and sink in that because I would have gotten stuck there and just been bitter. Because one thing that I uh, worked with my therapist on is, I don't want to come out of this horrific loss, some type of like mean, bitter shrew. I don't want that. I have never been that person and I don't want to become that person. So that's one thing that I had to work on is like getting out of that judgment zone about other people because of what had happened to me. Right. Yeah. Tell us about. Yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Tell us about your book. I'm working on mine and I'm finding that I've had to take really long breaks because it takes me right back to that initial grief feeling. And it's like, I I need to hurry up and get done with it because it's been a little over five years now, about five and a half years. We also lost our son in uh, 2013. So how bizarre is that, that we both lost children in the same year? But yeah. so um, I don't want to be so far removed from it that I cannot dig back into that well to make my book that much more effective and, and relatable so that people can feel it. But it's difficult going back there. How long was it before you were able to start writing your book? And what was that process like? Because you have written an amazing book. So tell us the title and tell us about it. Um, well, Mine is a totally different um, topic. So what I decided was I could easily have written a book about grief. Yeah. Um, but I but I chose to turn it around, and I wanted to write the book to current parents, um, so parents who are still lucky enough to have their babies. Um, mm-hmm. And I say babies meaning, like, ages 0 to 100. Right. <laughs> um, but parents who are still lucky enough to have their kids um, be it that they're little, you know, teenagers, they're grown, you know, grown with grandkids, you know, any of that. But, but to really focus on parenting and, and teaching parents how to 
kind of walk through the things that we did right, I think, and then the things that we did wrong, mm-hmm. um, and and walk them through the regrets that we've had um, looking back on parenting. So um, I say that there's never been a parenting book like this ever written because no person has ever written a parenting book after having lost a child. Yes. Um, That's truly so, writing from so a unique we, perspective. Yes. Yeah. We totally wanted to come at it from, you know, these are the regrets that we have and, um, the, you know, the things that, that, that hurt us. These are the things that we thought we did right, that we feel really proud of and, and, um, that we think were, are wonderful. These are the things that we wish we would have done differently. Um, and just give people different, different, um, tips for becoming mindful in their parenting. Mm-hmm. I know, um, one of the things that, and I'm sure you see this all the time. One of the things that, that I see everywhere I go is a parent and a kid or mom and dad and two kids, whatever. And everyone's on their phones and they're not paying attention to each other. See it every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every single day. And most of the time you see it when you're out to dinner Mm -hmm. and it makes me crazy. Like I, I used to go out of my mind. Um, Talk about grieving. I used to get up and walk over to people and tell them you're wasting your time. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) I can't believe my boy is not here and we would have been sitting at this table and we would not have been on our phones. We would have been having a conversation, you know, that kind of a thing. And that's where you were talking about being judgmental. Mm -hmm. Um, But now what we do is we, we created this pay it forward campaign um, and we made these cute little business cards that have Dalton's picture on them. And they say in loving memory of Dalton Lambrecht and, they talk about his spirit and, and how he loves to help people. And then on the back side of the card, we ask people to take this random act of kindness that we're performing and and pay it forward someday when they mm-hmm. have the means or the time or that kind of a thing. And so then what we do in those circumstances, when I do see a family who's wasting their time away, sitting on their electronics and not paying attention to each other or whatever it is, uh, we, we will buy them a dessert, we'll buy their dinner, whatever, and give them two pay-it-forward cards, and we'll say to them, please, you know, we would give anything in the world to have five minutes to have a dessert with our kid or dinner mm-hmm. with our kid. Um, please take this time, put your electronics away, put your phones away, stop and talk to each other. Talk about your day, talk about what you love to do, talk about your future, whatever. Talk about anything but your phone. <laughs> Yeah. And really take the time to get to know your child because you don't know what they're going through unless you communicate with them. Exactly. And, and, and the sad thing is so many of our kids don't even know how to communicate in general. Yes. Because here they are texting all the time or Snapchatting, I think it's called, or whatever they do. (laughs) Yeah. All of those things instead of learning how to communicate. I mean, they're not going to be able to hold jobs. They're not going to be able to you know, communicate with their spouses. You know, yeah, all it that makes kind of me wonder the future, ab- about the future because we're not communicating with each other as human beings directly. I mean, yeah. even even like job interviews, a lot of times are done electronically and over a computer. So it's like we're losing that sense of communicating with each other, which is sad because it's like when you're not communicating with each other, then it's easy to lose empathy for your fellow man. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's easy to like, you know, 
get yourself in your own little group or you're just with like-minded little people that are on your sites or whatever. And then, yeah, can turn you against other people that are different from you for many reasons. It's it's crazy. And we see that all the time, right? So, yeah, yeah, we've got to get back to the the simplicity of talking to one another. That's right. Enjoying each other's company, focusing on the moment. Um, Yeah, all of those things. So, yeah, so we, with the parenting book um, and then also my other two books, um, we decided that we would um, just really try and help current parents be better parents. Yeah. And that's, that's really a gift that you're giving and it's continuing the legacy of your son. Like I said, once our, our children are gone from us, we're still parenting them and you're parenting Dalton in the way that you are honoring his life in helping and and, in service. You're doing a lot of the things that he did in his short, wonderful life. So you're still parenting him and how you are honoring him. So tell us the names of your books and the websites that our listeners can go to to get to your books. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the first one is called Parenting at Your Best, Powerful Reflections and Straightforward Tips for Becoming a Mindful Parent. And my second book is called A Parent's Guide for Journaling to Their Child, Simple Strategies for Writing Heartfelt Love Letters to Your Child. Oh, that's Um, beautiful. yeah, it's cool. I um I I credit Dalton's journal actually for saving our marriage. Um I had been writing him a journal since he was in my tummy for four months. Mm-hmm. Um so long before he was born and and I wrote it, you know, all the way through his life I wrote him a journal and the goal was that I was gonna give it to him on his eighteenth birthday. And mm-hmm. um and when we lost him, John kept saying to me you know, let me read it or read it to me and, you know, that kind of thing. And I kept saying, no, it was for Dalton. It's not for you. And then um, I realized when I went through and started reading it that the first 11 pages of Dalton's journal before he was ever born were about how lucky he was to have John as his daddy mm. and how lucky I was that John was my husband and, um, you know, just how blessed we were and how amazing John is and all these kind of things. And, and so finally I decided I would start reading it to him. And John's reaction after 21 years of marriage at that point was, um, how come you never, or, or how come you've never told me that before? Or something like that. And I was like, are you kidding me? I write you, you know, songs and I write you poetry and I write you cards all the time. And he's like, yeah, but I've never heard you say that to somebody else. Um, and so it was really eye opening for me that, uh-huh. that first of all, um, we need to be, Talking about our, our love, our, you know, our kids, our parents, our, our spouses to other people, praising them, um, and letting them hear that we're praising them in front of someone else. So that was a huge lesson to me. Yeah. That's part of like giving people their flowers while they live, sort of. What's that? Giving people their flowers while they live, basically that premise. Yeah. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. Um, yeah. So anyway, so um, and the and the so I think that that really was our turning point in the very beginning of losing Dalton was that I had read that to him and and um, you know, because we could have gone all this time and been mad at each other and you know they say most people who lose a child in the first year um, will be divorced mm-hmm. if it was their only child. Um, it's like ninety two percent, I think, is what people say. Mm-hmm. And you know, so I think. I give, I give Dalton's journal credit for saving our marriage, first of all. But the other side of it is, 
Um, one of the things that John and I are always saying to, to other people, people will say to us, what can we do to help you in your, you know, your grief journey? Or what can we do to, to help you grieve? Or, you know, what can we do? And John and I are both always saying, just let your babies know how much you love them while they're here. Mm-hmm. And write them love letters and that kind of thing. And you would not believe the number of people who will say, I wouldn't have a clue what to write. Mm-hmm. That's kind of sad. And so, yeah, so that's why I came up with the Parents' Guide for Journaling to their child is because so many people said they wouldn't even know what, what to write. So I just have a ton of prompts in this book that you can, you know, go get your own journal, however pretty or fancy or whatever you want it to be. And and then you can just use little guide prompts in, in this um, in this book to help you write to your kids. That's beautiful. And is there a site that people can go to to where they can purchase your books or are they available Amazon. Um, They're on Amazon. And then um, you can also buy them on my website at parentingatyourbestwithoutregret.com. And you also have a beautiful website um, about Dalton. Oh, yeah, we do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that I checked that out. On Dalton's forward card. So that one, it's been really cool to have up. Um, People will perform a random act of kindness. A, you know, a pay it forward or something, and they'll hand one of Dalton's cards out. And then sometimes, not not very often, but sometimes they'll go on his website and they'll post what they did. Mm-hmm. Or the person who received the random act of kindness will mm-hmm. post what they received. And so that's really cool. And it's been really neat to hear from all the people that we've, a lot of people won't post on the website because, I don't know, they're either embarrassed or they don't, you know, don't want to or don't have the time. Yeah. But people will call a lot and say, you wouldn't believe we, you know, um, I had somebody call from France and say that they had received one of Dalton's cards and um, that they didn't understand what it meant right away and someone had to explain it to them. Um, but they thought it was beautiful and they wanted to start doing it in France. Oh, and amazing. So it's been to, I think it's, I don't know, seven or nine different countries and all over the United States. And so it's really cool just to hear stories and know that his legacy goes on of helping others. And it feels good when you do do a, a random act of kindness or when someone does something for you, because I've had several things like within this last year have happened where, you know, been through going through a drive through or something and the person in front of me has paid my bill. Uh, my husband and I were at a restaurant a few weeks ago and uh, a lady just randomly at another table paid for our whole entire meal. So when you're on the receiving end of that, it feels good. But then it those acts were, were reminders to us to do that and to perform random acts of kindness. And it feels even better when you're able to do that for someone else. So it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling on the receiving end. And it's an even better feeling when you're the one performing the act of kindness. So I definitely exactly. recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for your time today. And um, I think it's so important um, when you said early on in the interview that you don't really um, go along with the stages of grief. I don't either. I don't think they're... No, I don't believe yeah. in that at all. I think if we're in stages, we're in, I don't know, 55 of them at once or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you, you go back and forth and you can have these periods of time where you feel like you're, you're okay and you've got it under control. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue... Um, 
you just have this horrific day. Like uh, on our son's fifth birthday this year, I thought, okay, because I, I didn't, it's not that I didn't think about it because I think about my son every single day. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think of him. So it's not that I wasn't aware that his fifth birthday was coming up, but I didn't have that sense of like, oh my God, dread, it's going to be a horrible day. So I thought, okay, yeah, his fifth birthday is going to come around and we're going to get through it. We're going to do our usual thing of going and celebrating him at the cemetery and blah, blah, blah. When I tell you that it hit me like a ton of bricks, I was like, oh my goodness, his fifth birthday was worse for us than like his fourth and his third. And so, yeah, (laughs) it just goes to show that, you know, there's like an ebb and flow to it. And that when it comes to grief, it's just learning the tools to kind of like cope with it. Because sometimes that's, that's all you can do is kind of like cope with it and just get through the day, but just remind yourself that it's going to pass. This is, you know, as they say in therapy, maybe a grief burst. You're having, a, yeah. you know, this burst of feeling and this emotion, but just kind of ride it out and it's going to pass. And we, you know, we constantly have to remind ourselves of that, that this one moment feels horrible, but don't worry, you're not going to get stuck there. It's going to pass. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. one one last question before we end to, how long do you think it took you before you were able to experience joy or even think about being on the road again to happiness? Because for us, it took a while. I think it was about maybe I'd say about a full year before because I would have like little like glimpses of it. And then I also felt guilty, like, how dare I feel happy or how dare I have this moment of joy when my when my son's not here to experience it. So for me to like fully embrace those joyous moments again, it took at least about a year. How was that for you? You know, for us, it's, it's, it's weird. I think that I think, first of all, I think you're so numb the first two years that I do think that bursts of joy do come during that time. Yeah. But I don't think we realize them Mm -hmm. very much. And if we do, we feel, like you said, guilty that we're experiencing them and our baby's not here to to experience it with us. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do feel like, um, I think it was probably right around our third year that we finally decided that um, that we could plan things again. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we could plan a vacation. We could plan to do something special, that kind of a thing. Um, and, and plan to have fun, like, you know, have, have all the neighbors over and have, and have a poker party, which yeah. our house has always been the party house. And so even, even soon after Dalton died, we were, you know, we were having people over quite a bit. Um, you know, because it, it was one of those being busy things and it mm-hmm. took the edge off mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and so, sure, there would be, like, you know, times that you laugh a lot during, you know, when you're having a poker party or you're playing games or whatever you're doing. Um, but then the second people walk out the door, it was like you go back to that darkness. Mm-hmm. And and I do remember, like, we took a lot of um, camping trips and stuff that first couple of years. We you just needed to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, leaving was fine. It was okay for a couple of days. It was the coming home. Yeah that killed us and it still is very difficult we still when we walk in the house we look up at Dalton 
we can look right up the stairs at Dalton's bedroom mm-hmm. where he would sit at his desk and do his homework. Mm-hmm. And we can look right up there and see that he's not there again. And it, yeah. every single time, um, and we're almost five years into this, every single time, it still is like a kick in the stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I'll tell you, I think, I do think we have moments of joy often. Um, and I think probably after the, after the second year had passed, I think we, we realized it and acknowledged it more, um, as being, being actually joyful or actually happy with something, you know, that we were doing or something the way it happened or the people that we were with and really being able to appreciate that. Whereas before, like you were saying, it was more guilt ridden. Um, so yeah, I would say probably our third year and, and everybody's different. Everybody's yeah. journey is, is definitely different. So, and yeah. I do feel like this year with this birth, with this, um, anniversary coming up on the 29th of this month, right after Christmas, mm-hmm. that we're, we're a little bit more open. We're not celebrating Christmas again this year because we just can't do it. Um, but we, but we're a little bit more open to like, um, listening to Christmas music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I didn't decorate again this year because I just can't do it. Um, but, but we, but we did actually like yesterday when we were driving, we had Christmas music on and mm-hmm. John looked at me and I looked at him and he says, is this okay? And I'm like, I think it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I totally so, get that because the holidays could be so difficult, especially if they were so important to you, because like you said, your house was a party house. Well, for me and my husband, we were the ones that kind of always hosted Thanksgiving and and Christmas and special things like that. And that just got immediately shut down. Like we could not even begin to think about it. As a matter of fact, we had our very first dinner party and it was after the holidays. It was around, uh, it was around Valentine's day earlier this year. And that was the first time that I said, okay, the holidays are past. So it's not like we're celebrating Thanksgiving or Christmas, but let's have a, like a cute little get together at the house. And we did, and we gave everybody that came like little Valentine token things. And it felt so good to be able to open our home up again. Yeah, And yeah, so I'm with you. We do what we can. We still don't decorate or necessarily celebrate we still cook because good good lord knows we both love to eat probably too much (laughs) we eat our way through the holidays but not necessarily celebrate with the decor and the festiveness that we did but we'll probably get there eventually we're in no rush we just you know we've learned to just like take our time with that and to be kind to ourselves like like do what you can and like, I feel yeah. more comfortable celebrating with people at other places. Like if I go to a, like a holiday party or something at someone else's home, then I can tolerate that more um, than having something in mine. And that's fine. And we just go with that. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. And we're not there yet. I can't do, I can't do Christmas parties yet and that kind of a thing. So, um, but you know, like you said, in mm-hmm. time, maybe we'll be able to get there again and yeah. maybe we'll. Maybe we'll want to decorate again and maybe we'll want to have mm-hmm. holidays with, with Dalton's anniversary being right between Christmas and New Year's for us. That yeah. week is just that's such a hard week. 
Absolutely. Um, and I believe fun. in um, changing up traditions and doing something different because we always, you know, felt like since our house was like the landing spot that we kind of always had to like be in town for the holidays. And so I've gotten my husband more open to the idea that, you know, like who says we have to be in town? Let's maybe exactly. plan a vacation, do something completely different. Like last yes. year, like yeah, this year. We for, did that one year. We went to Mexico one mm-hmm. year. Um, yeah. Another year we went camping. Like, yeah. And this year we're going to leave the day after Christmas mm-hmm. and, um, and go back to Glamis for, for the fifth anniversary and yeah. spread ashes and ride and, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think you have to find different, mm-hmm. different things that can make you happy. Absolutely. Yeah. Like this, uh, this past Mother's Day which is a day that can be a little bit difficult for me. Oh, God. Yeah. And I said, you know, I cannot go to church this year. I just cannot do it on Mother's Day because, you know, it's Mother's Day everything. So my husband and I, yeah. we decided to, like, go out of town that day. And it was so funny. I still couldn't escape it because we went to, like, kind of an amusement park type thing in an aquarium. And it was still, like, Happy Mother's Day everywhere. And so I, at least yes. I was able to laugh <laughs> about it, like, Wow, I thought I was gonna escape it, but I obviously didn't think this thing out that <laughs> that well. And I said, "Oh well, just okay, just smile and go with it. Everyone means well. No one knows your personal story looking at you, but it it, it did still help just being away and doing something different. So that that's a good tip for everyone too. And and for me, as far as even trying to fathom being happy, I just literally one day I heard a song by a gospel artist named Kirk Franklin. And he has this song uh, that he put out. I think it's been about four years. It's been about, you know, maybe a year or so after we lost our son. And the name of his song, that song that touched me was Want to Be Happy. And in the song, it talks about making the decision, like you have the choice kind of, whether you're going to be happy or remain kind of miserable and I hadn't thought about it and I'm like wow I have a choice that as awful and painful as this is I can choose to wallow in it and stick myself at this point and stay here or I can choose something different and that was like a little aha moment for me and that was like probably the the initial little birth stage of of even doing this podcast like I am going to choose to be happy to get on that journey and so that's kind of you know with that is that is that the song that's at the beginning of your podcast no actually that's a a different song that was actually written that person is my brother he's a recording artist that that did the song specifically for the show so yeah Oh, cool. Well, yeah. I'm going to look up this other one. But, you know, the other thing I will tell you um, that one of the reasons I did not write a grief book mm-hmm. is I had read hundreds of grief books. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything from, you know, the Kubler-Ross Five Stages of Grief, which truly have nothing to do with losing someone. If that one was actually written about someone that had had a terminal illness and what, how they view their grieving process. Um, but, but so many people have taken, taken, even psychologists have said, oh yeah, there's five stages to grief and there's really not. No. Um, 
But, but that being said, I had read all these books and I just kept thinking, you know, there's got to be answers in these books. And, but every book I'm reading is asking me basically to just keep focusing on it. And I'm, so I'm keeping focusing on it and I'm reliving it every day that I read this book and over mm-hmm. and over and over and I keep reliving it. And, um, and finally I decided for my, for my benefit, for my brain, basically, mm-hmm. that I can't read any more of this because all these books are telling me to do is to focus on it and to, you know, keep reliving it over and over and over. And they're not giving me really good ways of of walking with grief and knowing that I'm going to have to live with it every single day of my life. Mm-hmm. Um and I actually just read a book last month called It's Okay That You're Not Okay mm-hmm. um, by Megan Devine. And um, it's really, it, it's, um, it's kind of dark, but it's really true about the process and, and what you do and where you're at. But, but it also is about, like what you said, you know what, we have to choose the way we're going to react to this. We've got to choose that if we're going to stay in bed every single day and be lazy and and be a draw on the world and, you know, not be helpful to this world and not make the world a better place, you know, we're choosing to do that. Mm -hmm. Or we can choose to get out there. We can choose to work. We can choose to be volunteers. We can choose to, you know, you know, be better people for the rest of the people in the world. And when we make that choice, we make a choice that helps us in our grief as well. Absolutely. um, so it is important to want to be happy and to 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 choose that lifestyle versus uh, wallowing in it all the time. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ronnie, for being my special guest today. I know that uh, anyone that has listened to this podcast can get some encouragement out of it that no matter what you've been through, no matter what kind of tragic situation that you've gone through or are going through. You may not have lost a child like Ronnie and I, but you may be going through something else, a health crisis, anything, you name it, to know that there is an other side to everything that you're going through and that you can get to the point in your healing where you can make a choice to choose to feel better about it. And we just hope that that's what you got from today's episode. If you want to learn more about our amazing guest, please consider purchasing her books, one of which is Parenting at Your Best Without Regrets. And uh, there's a website of that name, parentingatyourbestwithoutregrets.com. Please visit that. Also be sure and check out her special website, doitfordalton.com, where she talks about her random acts of kindness and the special cards that she has made and about mindful parenting and you name it. She's done such amazing, beautiful work that is a true honor to Dalton's legacy as she is uh, continuing that legacy of kindness and good works that uh, he began. So we're thankful for you. Also, we want uh, you listeners to join the conversation. Give us a comment at the website, gethappywithj.com. You can leave a comment there or also on our Facebook page. So until next week, as I always say, do something to make yourself happy. It's not selfish. It's self-care. Again, thank you, Ronnie. Thank you, Jay. It was great to talk to you.